God bless you and welcome to Yesterday Ended. I'm your host, Dennis Dobbin. Thanks for joining me today. The title of my podcast today is An Ancient System of Figuring Things Out. These questions can arise in school studies, journalism, police investigations, just to name a few. We are a curious folk, so we ask a lot of questions. That's a good thing. But what is it like when God or other people ask us a lot of questions? In a conversation with your Heavenly Father, what type of questions is He asking you, and what are your responses to Him? You are to have an intimate relationship with Him that should include a conversation, a dialogue with Him. Your Father at times will question you to cause you to think about what's going on in your life. Also, how do you react to the questions of others towards you? Questions, again, make you think. Questions make you seek. Let's take some time today to figure out the who, what, where, when, and why of our lives. Give a listen. The curiosity of children is a wonderful thing. It is an indication of their desire to grow and understand their new little world. And the means by which they obtain an understanding is to repeatedly ask questions. Why? And though it is a wonderful thing for children wanting to learn, it can be daunting at times to be able to answer all their questions. Going back all the way to Aristotle, the importance of questions has been shown. How else will we learn? Aristotle called it the elements of circumstance. In the modern times, we know it as the five W's, and that's the title of my poem today. Who, what, where, when, and why? A question to me has been posed, the answer to which has not been disclosed. I want to find out, and I need to know, will the truth of the matter to me be bestowed? Who, what, where, when, and why? All of these questions make me want to cry. In all of life's matters, I'm feeling blind. The chains on my heart, I need to unwind. But as I ponder the depth of each doubt, the Spirit of God within helps me figure things out. Questions from Him are meant to help me learn that at the end of the matter, my heart to Him can turn. There are elements of circumstance of my life that I've been trying to figure out for a long time. Through prayer and emotional healing and a lot of pondering, I have figured out some of the who, what, where, when, and why of my life. Questions are good. Having a question or a doubt makes us seek things out. When we have a question, it makes us think. And much of the point of my podcast are to make us think about what we're thinking about. In Genesis chapter 3 is the first question that God asked Adam. It is right after the fall, and Adam and Eve are hiding in the bushes. God lives in eternity, according to Isaiah fifty-seven seventeen. He sees yesterday, today, and tomorrow as one united moment. He knows where you've been, where you are, and where you're going. That where you're going part is the most important for us to perceive and become in agreement with. Unfortunately for Adam, his actions have definitely affected his future. 
but the question is directed to him at this present moment. We read in Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where are you? Though this question was asked thousands of years ago, it's a question that God can revisit with his children all the time. Where are you? In my last podcast, entitled, Beside, Not Beset, I considered this very question, where are you? My declaration was that I am beside God, I am not beset by sin. I am a new creation in Christ, therefore I am in Christ, and therefore, as it says in Ephesians 2.6, I am seated in the heavenlies with Christ, which is at the right hand of God the Father. That is a seat of authority. We need to deal with our lives from that perspective that we are seated at the right hand of God. We are not victims at the bottom of the barrel. So to look at this question in a slightly different way, I'll ask you, where are you in your head? Where does your head live? What is your perspective of life? Are you hiding from God? Or are you having a great conversation with him in the throne room where you belong? Jesus said that the kingdom of God was within us. So are we living in that kingdom? The kingdom of God is his righteousness, joy, and peace. These three elements are all gifts to us from the finished work of Jesus. He made us righteous. He gave us joy and peace. The question is, Do we mentally arrive into that kingdom living? In a couple places in the Gospel of John, Jesus says that he is not of this world. Where are you from? And where do you live? I may have been born in Wichita, Kansas, and may have an address in Los Angeles, California, but where I live is between my ears in the kingdom of God. God confronted Adam in a most gentle way after the fall. Adam had just committed what amounts to high treason. He gave the kingdom over to God's enemy. But God didn't wipe Adam and Eve off the planet and start again. He went to them and asked them, Where are you? God came and said, It's time for us to go for a walk and fellowship. But you're hiding from me. I want fellowship with you, but you've turned your back on me. God is always coming after us. When will we stop running from him and start running to him? We are the prodigal children, and he is the forgiving father. He awaits to embrace you. The next question in the Bible was addressed to Eve. We read this in Genesis 3, verse 13. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. Immediately after asking her what she had done, the Lord confronts the serpent and tells him of his demise and defeat in the future. But then he gives the first promise. It is the promise of the coming Savior or Redeemer. God gives Adam and Eve hope for the future. It is only after the giving of this promise that God tells them of the consequences of their actions. And as we read a few verses later in verse 21, God provides another revelation of hope and provides a means for them to fellowship once again. 
Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skins and clothed them. In this verse, we see the first sacrifice and shedding of blood. We also see that God did not abandon Adam and Eve, but came to them to provide a means back into his presence. God is always endeavoring to be inclusive, not exclusive. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we have a clean, unobstructed relationship with the Father. What are you doing with that blessing? Even though you may have messed up to a lesser or greater degree than the prodigal son, the forgiving Father awaits your return. Again, the questions God may ask you are designed to draw you closer to him. The next question is of a similar nature. It's from 1 Kings chapter 19, where Elijah has run away from Jezebel and Ahab. Everybody is out to kill him, and he's had enough. He's had so much that he's ready to die. But God has more for him to do, and God sends an angel to help him change his attitude. God provides food for him, not once, but twice, but Elijah's not having any of it. He does eat, but goes back to sleep afterwards. The angel awakens him and tells him the word of the Lord, which Elijah has a habit of being obedient to. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank. And he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights, as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? God wants to get Elijah to think about why he is there. What are you doing here? Elijah was sulking. Admittedly, if somebody was out to kill me, I might not be in a good mood either. So what are you doing in thinking about your life circumstances? God fed Elijah, and the second time he ate, he was able to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. That must have been a very nutritious meal. Or did God have something to do with sustaining him? So what are you doing in your head? Are you complaining about situations? There are times when bad things happen to us and we are challenged by them. But how do we react? And will we receive the word of the Lord and be obedient as was the nature of Elijah? And will we walk in the power that God provides? God protected Elijah and provided for him in this dangerous time. Can we have the faith to receive the same in our lives? The next question I'd like to cover continues on the theme of what's going on within our hearts. It's about Jonah. He was having a bad day, not because somebody was threatening him, but because he was jealous for Israel. God told him to go to Nineveh and call them to repentance, but he didn't want Nineveh to repent. He knew God would forgive them, and so Jonah ran off, and we know how that turned out. But once he was back up on dry ground, he found himself a place to sit and sulk. We pick it up in Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. 
So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah knows God pretty well. He knows his character of compassion. He does not want the enemy of Israel, Nineveh, to be forgiven. What are you thinking about your enemies? How are you dealing with the circumstances of your life? There's nothing in Scripture that tells us life will be fair. In fact, Jesus tells us that if we live in this world, we will suffer mental pressure. But he also promises that we can be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. Where you are emotionally is up to you. People around you may do stupid, arrogant, or evil things, but it's up to you how you act or react to those things. You have freedom of will and control over your heart. In John 14, Jesus promises us peace and then tells us to not let our heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And those are actually commands. He's commanding us to control our thoughts so that we are not troubled or afraid. I am concerned about many situations in my life, but I endeavor to approach them without fear or anger. Lastly, there are two questions from the second chapter of Acts. These questions are posed by people present on the day of Pentecost. It is after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The people are trying to figure out what's going on. Many times in life, we are trying to figure out what's going on, and we ask the wrong question, why? Why is always the wrong question. Why is a question victims ask? We're not victims. We're victors. In Acts chapter 2, we find two better questions to ask concerning any situation that may confront us. The first question is in Acts 2.12. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Unfortunately, the book of Acts does not reveal in detail what the apostles were speaking when they first spoke in tongues, but in verse 11 it says, They were speaking the wonderful works of God. The crowd that heard them were, as it says, amazed and perplexed. Truly, they were blown away and moved into a state of doubt as to what was going on. So do you have any situation in your life where you are blown away and moved into a state of doubt? Many things confront us in life, but how we act or react to them will determine the outcome. Peter's response to the question was to teach them the truth of the promise of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, spoken first in the book of Joel. Then he tells them of the Messiah, of Jesus, and his resurrection, and the outpouring through him of this gift. The crowd is now cut to the heart as they realize what they have done to Jesus and how they have turned their back on God and his Son. Verse 37 shows their reaction. 
Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? The people realize what they have done or haven't done, and now they realize there is something required of them. What is required of them is faith in Jesus. Where is your faith in Jesus? What is your faith like concerning the promises of God? When you are challenged, if you ask why, you will chase your tail forever. I used to try to understand the challenges in my life, but finally came to the realization that some of them were lies. I was tricked into believing a lie or a deception. There is no logic behind a lie or deception. The carrot can be hung in front of me, and I think I need it, but I've been tricked. There's much more that God has to offer us than a single carrot. He wants to give us a full garden. Also, God has a conversation he wants to have with you. He may ask you a few questions. Have fun with that conversation. Where are you? What have you done? What are you doing here? Is your emotional response correct? What does this mean? What must I do? These are six questions out of thousands. But dealing with just the six can be a lot. Hopefully, as you consider these questions and apply them to the situations of your life, they will help you first in your relationship with the Father and secondly with your relationship with others. I love questions because they make us think. All too often in life, we endeavor to ignore the challenges in front of us. Or worse, we endeavor to medicate ourselves one way or another to avoid having to answer these questions. But remember, God is with you. He is coming after you to bring you into a relationship with him. He gave you his nature through the sacrifice of Jesus. You have a right relationship with him. I'll ask you this question, what are you doing with it?